At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm going to have a uh, very wonderful guest with me this evening on the show who happens to be a man, and um, we're going to have a great conversation. His name is John Asroff. John is an entrepreneur, an author, and founder and CEO of NeuroGym, which is a company dedicated to helping individuals reach their fullest potential personally and professionally through evidence-based brain training methods. And John will be joining me in just a moment. Uh, Be sure, as always, to stay with us during our commercial breaks, where you'll hear from our amazing watch team of on-air contributors bringing you the latest information and news on your health, finance, technology, leadership, and diversity. And we are hearing wonderful things about the growth of our audience. So we hope you'll stay connected to us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can always find us at Women to Watch, as well as our lineup at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now with any... Without any further ado, John, I'd love to welcome you to the show. Hey there, Sue. Great to be on with you. It's great to have you. And um, I have so many questions, and I'm going to try to squeeze in as many of them as I can in the short amount of time that we have. But for our listeners, um, I want them to understand your, your background 
a little bit more. And I wonder if we can start with what really is the one of your earliest childhood memories that led to that uh, amazing chance encounter with your first mentor, Alan Brown? Oh, childhood memories. I was 19 years old or 19 years young, and I was getting into enormous amount of trouble with the law. And my brother, uh, who was uh, worried for my well-being and for my safety, arranged for this meeting. And uh, I met this man. I actually took the train and uh, uh, went 350 miles away from my home uh, to meet this man. And he, his name was Alan Brown. And he asked me, why, why did I think I was getting into so much trouble? And I said, well, I don't know. I just want to make some money and fit in. I don't feel like I'm smart enough or good enough to achieve success. And so I'm doing illegal things. And he says, well, I guess nobody's ever told you that you've got genius capabilities, but you just don't know how to access them. And I thought he was nuts. <laughs> <At the> time, <laughs> genius capabilities. I left grade school. Um, I'm sorry. I left high school in grade 11. I flunked out of English, math, biology. The only thing I um, excelled in was my gym class. And, you know, I, I really didn't have a, a, a good self-image of myself uh, or the belief that I could do anything that would amount to much. And he shared with me, you know, that there was this potential within me, but it was untapped. And then he did something that was really, really interesting, and it really changed my life in, in one minute. In one, one question, one minute changed my life. And he asked me, he said, you know, what goals do you want to achieve? And at the time, I really, I really didn't have a lot of goals other than trying to move out of my, you know, parents' apartment, maybe, you know, buying a used car, maybe, you know, having enough money to, to go out and have some fun. But he, he gave me these sheets of paper and he said, well, why don't you fill these out for me and then we can continue talking. And he asked questions on the sheet of paper of, you know, what age do you want to retire at? And I was 19. I was like, retire, and I'm just starting my career. So I just wrote down age 45. And so it was, how much money do you want to have in net worth? And I pulled this number out of the air, $3 million. And where do you want to live? And what kind of home do you want to have? And how do you want to travel? And all of these questions that I had never, ever thought about. And the only reference point that I had for any of the answers was uh, a TV show I used to like to watch as a kid, which was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Mm, and right. so, so I pulled things from, from those shows of what I wanted, what kind of cars I wanted, et cetera. And so after I finished, he looked at it, he said, these are, these are some really good lofty goals and dreams. And then he asked me the one question that, that just changed everything. And he said, are you interested in achieving these goals or are you committed? And mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what, what he meant. So I asked him, I said, Mr. Brown, what's the difference? And he said, well, if you're committed, you'll come up with stories and excuses and reasons why you can't. He says, if you're interested, you'll do what's easy and convenient. And you'll keep telling yourself the same story over and over again that you told me that you left high school and you weren't a good kid. You got in trouble and all that stuff. He says, but if you're committed then you will upgrade your knowledge and your skills. You'll change your belief system. You'll let go of the old disempowering story that you're using to keep you stuck. He says you'll develop the habit of a person who can actually achieve those goals because every one of those goals is achievable. So are you interested or are you committed, he said. And I was, I was a little scared. I said, well, I guess, I, I guess, I guess I'm committed. <laughs> and he says, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. He says, in that case, I will mentor you. Wow. 
And in one minute with one simple exercise and one question, I found a mentor, somebody who had achieved every single thing on that list that I had written. And at the age of 19, I went to work for him. I didn't have my, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, even a, a college degree, I didn't even go to college. Um, but he, he, he got me to enroll into real estate school. I didn't even have the money to enroll. He got me to move from Montreal to Toronto, uh, where I didn't know anybody other than him and my brother. And I went to real estate school uh, May 5th, 1980. I graduated June 20th, 1980. And the reason I know those dates so well is I passed the test without cheating. Wow. And so it was one of the <laughs> first things that I did that was like, wow, oh, wow, I, maybe I could do something. Right. And so he, he lit a spark of possibility and hope. And then he laid a foundation for me of how to get the right mindset, how to flip the internal switch of insecurity and self-doubt and fear and self-loathing and stories and excuses that made up my life at the time. And with his help, I, I started doing well in real estate. But more importantly, I started feeling better about who I was as a human being. Mm. And, and that led me to become a voracious student of neuroscience and neuropsychology because I had such a massive shift, you know, from uh, almost being in jail or the morgue to turning my life around because of one simple lunch and one human being who knew how to ask the right questions and lead me towards a different path that I was headed. You know, John, can you pinpoint where those insecurities developed or came from or began? Uh, the answer is absolutely. Yeah, when I was five years old, my parents moved from uh, Israel to Montreal, and I spoke Hebrew as a child. And then when I moved to Montreal, I was put in, in um, uh, first grade, and I didn't speak the French or English language, which is what they spoke there. And the teachers really didn't have time to teach me um, the basics of, of English. And so I fell two years behind uh, very, very quickly. And, you know, in classrooms at the time were, you know, 50, 55, 60 kids. And so I just felt dumb. I felt stupid. I, I got into a lot of trouble with the other kids because I was disrupting the class. I didn't understand the language. And uh, they didn't have Sesame Street back then. They didn't have Barney back then. <laughs> when, I was, when I was five years old, to, you know, to learn some of the stuff. Right. John, um, can you, know, you hold, hold that thought for me? We have to go into a break, and I want you to finish that story when sure. we come back. Stay with us for Dawn's Ear of Nutrisystem for our CEO Watch. Now, the women to watch. CEO Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO Watch. Have you ever felt like you're just running from meeting to meeting, executing on the day-to-day -day and just putting out fires, and you have no time to think about strategy? You're not alone, and that's why it's important to carve out time from the daily grind for thinking and strategy days. Let's talk about thinking days. I view these as solo events where one physically removes him or herself from the work environment and goes for a few hours to a different venue to just think and focus. It can be a bookstore, a beach, a park, any place where one can feel inspired and quietly reflect and think. I encourage individuals to do this at least once a quarter. I'm also a proponent of setting dedicated time for the team to focus on strategy. 
Whether it's weekly, monthly, or quarterly, it's important to take the time to focus, evaluate what you've been doing, understand the macro and competitive environment, and plan what should be done over the next 12 to 24 months. I find these meetings also to be the right forum to set priorities. While these meetings can be done in the office, a change in setting is often helpful because it aids in letting the team detach, even if for a brief moment in time, from the day-to-day. For my strategy days, I like to stick to a straightforward agenda that guides four strategic discussions. One, what is our vision and goal? Take the time to have the conversation of where you currently are, where you want to be, and what you want to achieve. Two, how do we reach our goal? Based on the vision set forth, what are the key deliverables needed to achieve success? Three, what obstacles might we face? Be sure to think about how to deal with any obstacles that come your way, including the competition, and always have a plan A and plan B. And four, how will we measure success? Determine what success looks like and put in place the KPIs to track and measure them. Be sure that once your strategy is set, you develop an action plan timeline and maintain regular touch-based meetings to be sure everything is progressing. Thanks, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here for CEO Watch. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. You're listening to Women to Watch, and I'm speaking this evening with John Asroff, uh, entrepreneur, author, and founder and CEO of Noro Gym. And we were learning all about John's beginning. And uh, just before the break, you were talking, I had asked you, you know, really if you could pinpoint a a pivotal moment uh, where you felt your insecurities began, and I think we all have those moments in our childhood. And you mentioned um, having to move from Israel at the age of five and not speaking the language. That's incredibly difficult. Yeah, it was. I, I just I remember not fitting in, and you know I remember you know being in the principal's office a lot just because I was being disruptive, out of boredom. And um, because I fell so far behind, that led me to feel like I wasn't smart enough. And that continued on from grade one all the way through to grade 11 when I left high school. I just, it just was not working for me. I was in my high school years, the only way I was doing well was cheating on the tests, um, either with friends or I would, I would steal the, the test scores if I could from teachers' cabinets. Um, and even my, you know, my high school final exam, a friend of mine helped me in the finals. Um, so, so a lot of self-worth issues, self-esteem issues, not Mm -hmm. good enough, not smart enough, um, carried, carried through. You know what? We talk so often about, um, that very thing and and particularly for women. And I think, and I'll ask you this, if, if you have seen throughout all the work and all of the people you have worked with, if there are some commonalities among the folks who are able to overcome that self-doubt and insecurity um, and lack of belief and the ones who cannot, 
Absolutely. Okay. Um, the, the number one common denominator um, is a, an awareness that I could eliminate this disempowering belief about myself, the disempowering emotion that comes with it, uh, whether it's, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm too young, too old, I'm, I'm male or female, uh, I don't have a degree, I do have a degree, I'm too Asian or too Caucasian. So whenever we have limiting beliefs or self-esteem issues or fear, um, we're triggering certain neural circuits or brain circuits in the brain that deactivate motivation. So if I have a fear of not measuring up, if I have a fear of trying my best and disappointing either myself or my spouse or my, my family, whoever the case might be, or my children, then we are going to be uh, deactivating our motivational centers. But what happens is when people recognize that I have a brain, I'm not my brain. My brain has certain operating hierarchical systems that when I learn how to use my brain better through guidance from either an individual, a coach, uh, a company like ours, then I could be in control of what I call a deliberate conscious evolution of myself. And when we realize that the, the patterns that we have running our lives now uh, were cemented by the time we were seven, eight, nine years old, and then we reinforced and experienced those patterns for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And we realized that we're not our patterns, but those subconscious patterns do run our lives. And so there are so many new studies and so much uh, advance so many advancements in technologies and evidence-based methodologies to change the neural patterns that are actually governing thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, that when people recognize that I can change and here's how, that's when, you know, hope comes into their forefront and then they could really make the big leaps that they want. Mm. You know, one of the things you talk often about is the why question, and which I just think is probably the most important. If If we understand why we want to have or experience that transformation, it's probably a, a powerful um, tool to use. And, and I read that, you know, one of your whys was wanting to help retire your parents um, mm -hmm. and, and help them. Tell me about that. And then if you can explain why the why of someone's, um, you know, wanting to change is so important. Sure. So um, a couple of things. When we set a goal, we're using what I call is the Einstein part of our brain, the deductive reasoning part of our brain where we can choose what we want uh, and we can use our imagination. Uh, pretty easy to do. Uh, as soon as we activate another part of the brain called the limbic system, the emotional part of our brain, now we're engaging another part of our brain. And what I like to, to share with people uh, is if you can engage your head, your heart and your gut, um, that is how you create coherence. And so one of the factors is being precise on what you want. Uh, and another factor is why you want it. So what's the emotion behind? If you understand the word emotion, it's just energy in motion. And so when we have an intrinsic reason why. So um, when we talk about, for example, you, you mentioned my parents, my, my parents never made more than $30,000 in a year. 
And so they always lived in a state of scarcity and limitation and not enough. Um, and they worked their asses off. Both of them worked full time, um, well into me being 15, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, my mother was a seamstress working part time at one of the local department stores. My father was a cab driver. And yet, no matter what they did, they just couldn't make it work, no matter how many hours they worked. And so one of the things for me was to give back to them. Um, you know, they gave me food, shelter, lots of love. Uh, and that was great. So my goal was to help them be comfortable uh, in their uh, retired years. Uh, and, and to thank God they're both alive right now. My dad's 88, my mom's 86, and they've been living comfortably in the retirement community. Um, and, and that worked out great for them. But for me, it was, uh, it gave my life even more purpose and meaning to be able to give back to them. Got it. What they, yeah. What they, yeah, they gave yeah. me an environment. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have the money, and so I figured out how to make the money so I can give them the environment. <laughs> right. Wonderful, wonderful. We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about the differences between the female brain and the male brain. You're listening to Women to Watch. Stay with us for Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie for your health watch and Terry and Maggie for your finance watch. Now, the Women to Watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie. I've talked before about sunscreen, now let's talk sunburn. Sunburn is from invisible ultraviolet light from the sun, a tanning bed, and sometimes photochemotherapy. By the way, deliberate tanning at a tanning salon does not protect against sunburn from the sun. The red, painful skin is not always immediate. It can appear three to five hours later, and more severe burns can have swelling and blisters. There is no specific treatment to reverse skin damage or help with healing, Cool compresses, calamine lotion, and aloe vera gels relieve pain. Ruptured blisters should be cleaned with mild soap and water and covered with wet, sterile dressings. Oral steroids do not help with pain or healing. Excessive burns, blistering, fever, nausea, and vomiting may need a hospital stay. We know sun damage can lead to wrinkles, skin cancers, including melanoma. Did you know the sun can also increase risk for cataracts? You know sun reflects off the sand or water. It can also reflect off the snow, especially when skiing. Certain medications cause you to burn more easily. Tetracycline, ciprofloxacin, Lasix, hydrochlorothiazide, even ibuprofen. Guess what else may be a factor? Alcohol. A study in Texas showed that people who drink alcohol on the beach have more extensive burns and more likely to blister. Use sunscreen number 30 or more, even in the shade. Reapply with swimming. Make sure it's not expired and not more than three years old. Use lip balm with SPF 30 plus. Protect your feet, especially if you have diabetes. Even basic flip-flops so you don't burn your soles on hot sand or asphalt in the parking lot near the beach or pool. So divas, protect your beautiful skin. I know you like the disco, but stay away from Disco Inferno where you burn, baby, burn. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth and 
invite you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie. And this is Terry. And we're from Fortis Wealth. Did you know that you can own more than typical stocks, mutual funds, and ETFs in your IRA? If you're a more sophisticated investor, a self-directed IRA can allow you the freedom to invest in many types of assets, such as partnerships, real estate, and the precious metals market. However, there are IRS restrictions that forbid certain investments, such as life insurance or collectibles. You need a specialized IRA custodian. There are brokerage firms, trust companies, or independent custodians to choose from who can handle the increased complexity and reporting requirements. Open an account and contribute money just as you would any other traditional or Roth IRA. You, as the account owner, direct all of the investment decisions through the custodian. The investments are held in the name of the IRA custodian. It's important to consider the risks also. The tax benefit evaporates if you don't follow the rules, and you might owe penalties and interest too. One potential blunder is neglecting the no-self-dealing rule, which prohibits you from borrowing money from your IRA, selling property to it, and other interactions. Think of your IRA as owning and operating the assets within it. Your IRA, rather than you, must pay someone else to do any needed work, such as routine repairs for a rental property. And don't ever spend the night in your IRA-owned rental property. Another rule prohibits entering into deals with specific relatives, including parents and children, and other people. See the IRS website for more on prohibited transactions. Another important thing to remember is that it's up to you to understand the investments you make. The custodian and administrators are prohibited from offering financial advice. These types of investments are often illiquid, which can be an issue when you're subject to required minimum distributions. Look out for fraudsters who sometimes use self-directed IRAs as a way to add a stamp of legitimacy to their schemes. As with any investment vehicle, a self-directed IRA is not for everyone. Consult with a financial advisor who is familiar with the ins and outs of these accounts. This is Maggie. And this is Terry. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. John, just before the break, we were talking about the importance of of asking the question why anyone wants to be better, find that belief in themselves. And um, in preparing for the interview, of course, I wanted to talk about any differences between the male brain and the female brain that you've learned in all of your research. Um, well, there's a lot of research that um, both brains are pretty identical and the functionality of the brains are identical. Now, with that said, you know, are there more dominant uh, features in the female brain or the male brain? And females tend to be much more empathetic, much more intuitive uh, than men are. Men seem to be very pragmatic and Every woman knows this. Men want to fix it all the time, and women want men just to listen and to and to really develop a bond. Um, and they have a uh, a higher degree of uh, um, oxytocin release, basically, where they're bonding a lot more with other human beings. But functionality, uh, brains are brains, and this is one of the the greatest misconceptions, you know, um, that I think ever existed, including that we only use five or six percent of our brain. We use 100 percent of our brain every 24 hours. Um, and so I don't really think there is that much difference between the male brain and the female brain functionality wise. 
Um, let's talk about your latest book, John. You've, you've written several books and um, had an opportunity to uh, collaborate with uh, the film The Secret, I believe. Um, but talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, talk about your latest book, Inner Size, and how people can implement that in their own lives. Uh, thank you. I love it. Um, many years ago, people may remember the name Jack LaLanne, and he really popularized exercise to strengthen your muscles and organs and, you know, your arteries and capillaries, et cetera, so you, you'll be healthier. Uh, well, what we're discovering is we have um, neuromuscles as well. And so, for example, our ability to focus is a neuromuscle, our, our ability to pay attention and, uh, and our ability to uh, use intuition are neuromuscles that we can build. Belief systems, what we believe is nothing more than a neural pattern in the brain. So I created the book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power, and created a series of inner sizes to help people utilize their brain better. So mm. when people are stressed, Stress is nothing more, for example, than an effect. And the question is the effect of what? And it could be an effect of something you're thinking about that you don't know the solution to. It could be an effect of you're working too many hours and you have so many multiple priorities that you're stressing the system. And so when people don't have tools of what do I do when I'm feeling fearful? What do I do when I am um, lacking confidence? What do I do when I'm stressed? What do I do when I have anxiety? What do I do when I have a panic attack? What do I do? And the answer is you exercise. You learn some techniques to deactivate the fight or flight or stress response center in the brain. You learn some techniques to activate the uh, relax and respond part of the brain. And what most people don't think of when they think of their brain is that it's an organism. It's not an organ. It's an organism that is able to create new connections, new distinctions, uh, new ways of being aware of itself and thoughts and emotions and behaviors. And the greatest gift that we have as human beings is awareness and choice. But in a state of reactiveness where we're repeating the same patterns over and over and over again, most people don't realize they're reinforcing those patterns that they don't like or enjoy over and over again. And so I wrote inner size and gave people not only 20 different inner sizes to learn how to use their brain better, but I also created uh, an audio program that comes with the book um, that guides people through these inner sizes to strengthen their core neural muscles so they have more control, more confidence, less stress, more awareness, and more choice which then leads to them having a lot more of what they want in their life and a lot less of what they don't want. Right. So let me ask you this question, John. These are, um, the book is wonderful. I read it. Um, and it, these tools are um, very, very useful for times of stress and anxiety and fear and all of that. What I want to talk about is, do you believe we have the ability to eliminate those emotions from ever, no, I won't say ever, but that we can generally most of the time not have those emotions through letting go of expectations and attachments to things and people and, and occurrences? So that's, that's a loaded question. And, and let, me, let me navigate through it in, in this way. Uh, imagine that you're driving your car. 
and a light pops up on your dash. And you don't know what the light is, but there's a light that pops on your dash. Do you take a hammer and hit that light that, hit, that came up on your dash? The answer, is, the answer is no. Why? Because the light is nothing more than a signal that's telling you something maybe in the tires, something in the trunk, something in the engine, something you know with the spark plugs. Something is creating a signal for you to be aware of, right? Mm-hmm. So we have emotions that signal to us when to be happy, when to be sad, when to feel ashamed, guilty, or fearful. So the thing that we want to understand is the emotional part of our brain is processing information and is asking at a subconscious level, is this thing dangerous? Can it hurt me? Can it cause me any pain or suffering? And it makes that determination based on what's in your memory bank, based on what you've read, what you've experienced, what you've been told, what you've witnessed. Now, the same thing that causes, you know, your fear signal to activate may not cause mine to activate. I may look at a snake, for example, go, oh my God, that's a beautiful snake. And you may look at a snake, oh my God, get me away from here. Now, it's, it's it's never the snake, it's never the person, it's never the thing that we think it is. It's the brain's or our brain's interpretation of pain or suffering or survival versus pleasure. And so whenever we have a signal what we need to learn is the meaning that we have learned to give that stimuli is what's going to cause how we feel about it. So it's never mm-hmm. that thing. Yes. It's the meaning yes. that we have associated you know, in our brains that causes the activation of emotions. So fear is not a bad thing. You can actually use fear as fuel when you learn how to use the neurochemistry of fear, when you learn how to recognize the emotion, reframe, release, and retrain your brain. It's exactly what uh, firefighters learn how to do. It's exactly what Navy SEALs learn how to do when they're going underwater and they're subjected to having to save their lives because three enemy um, um, scuba divers are trying to kill them. Mm, And so the emotions you'll never get rid of. Right, right. Okay, jump one last break. And you are listening to Women to Watch. I'm having a wonderful conversation with John Asroff. We'll be right back. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanati with your weekly diversity segment. Just like traces of bear paws eventually will lead to the bear, or getting to know an artist through their paintings, contemplation on the beautiful creations will lead to knowledge about the creator. Do they not reflect? Won't they contemplate? Two questions that occurred in the Quran on more than 10 and 20 times, inviting people to look into the beautiful creations and cosmic phenomenon, contemplate on them, and think about matters beyond obvious reasons. Listen to this verse in chapter 47, quote, They reflect upon the creation of the heavens and the earth. Our Lord, you did not create this in vain, end quote. The verse suggests that contemplating on the creations will lead to knowledge about the purpose of creation and ultimately knowledge about the Creator. It's not a surprise to know that many of the prophets in Islam used to be shepherds, wandering in the prairies, caring for animals with plenty of time to observe sunrise and sunset and everything in between. Reflecting and meditating have requirements to be successful. They should happen in a moment of clarity, 
a moment where people are curious about the unknown and open to answers. Premeditated answers are described as locks on the hearts that hinder people from new discoveries. The Islamic tradition requires an intellectual process to access faith. Islam encourages the use of logic, objectivity, and intellectual reasoning to get to absolute truth. Today's prophetic ethics are meditating and contemplating on the beauty of this world, getting to know the Creator through His creations, giving a little more time to observe, think, and contemplate uninterrupted to discover new truth about the world and new truth about ourselves. If we don't have the time, let's make the time. Don't forget to connect with me on hanadispeaksout.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Women in technology, where are you? Having been in the tech industry for over 30 years, it's a question I've asked myself often. In our own business in the past, we've had challenges finding women candidates to play roles, so it's with great pleasure that I announce that in the last 18 months, we've grown our female staff by 125%. This is absolutely exciting news. These women play a variety of roles, business analysts, quality testing, and developer. Even individuals within our company who have no technical background are now looking into technical skills that they can add to the resume. Caitlin, who's our social media coordinator, has registered for a fall class at Rutgers for coding boot camp. And Kristen, who's our HR generalist, is looking into the potential of taking a coding boot camp or possibly the role of quality testing. This is music to my ears, and I applaud them. Both Caitlin and Kristen recognize the future that technology will play and the opportunities that will be available to them by adding these skill sets. They're embracing the impact that technology will have in the workforce. I encourage and congratulate them on their forward thinking. So why does this matter? Because like everything else, without diversity or inclusion, technology creation gets slanted and doesn't take everyone into consideration. Imagine the technology we build only serving a part of our population, but not the rest. Did you know that a lack of women in technology can lead to a decrease in performance and profits, creating a missed opportunity for businesses? Research performed by Morgan Stanley indicates that greater gender diversity in technology positively impacts a business's bottom line. So I leave you with this. Ensuring that there's a good balance of women leading and working in the workplace just makes for good business. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this topic, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. John, um, you've had a wonderful opportunity to meet some amazing people in your lifetime. And uh, three that kept coming up in my research on you was um, Richard Branson, the Dalai Lama, and Larry King. Um, Just to kind of throw out some celebrity names. Can you tell me, um, in, in meeting folks like that, if you see something of yourself in them, or is there something that you all share in this interest in wanting to um, 
just live a good life? Uh, the answer is yes. Um, I think um, there's a couple things. Number one is uh, a curiosity uh, of, of what's really going on, a curiosity to understand ourselves, consciousness, humanity, other people, and a childlike curiosity at that. So it's this relentless wonder of what's really going on and how things work and how people think and how people feel. Mm. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. um, and then a relentless pursuit for growth, just wanting to live life to the fullest uh, and grow and, and become all that you are supposed to and can become. Uh, and then the other thing I think uh, is worthy of mention is um, even though every one of those people that you've mentioned have had failures, they have learned that failure is a natural part of growth and, and, and development. And so they don't take failure personally. They take failure uh, and they fail forward, as a few of them have said. Mm, that's a gr always a great, great lesson. And yeah. and one of the one of the best phrases I heard in in a past interview about failure is, it it's not it's not failure. It's eliminating what's not working. <laughs> yeah, it, failure is feedback. It's yeah. just a feedback loop. That's exactly right. Yeah, John, tell me what what word do you you know when we understand that we are not our brain, we are not even our mind. What word do you use? for who we are? Um, for me, it's, you know, spiritual. You know, the, the omnipotent intelligence that permeates me, my body, the entire cosmos, that to me is the spiritual essence of everything. And we can tap into it um, using our brain, which is an electromagnetic switching station that tunes in and tunes out like a radio receiver and... Um, and and that's the way I see it. Yeah, I, I think just the, lastly, you know, I think that we have to kind of uh, differentiate between internal distractions and external distractions that kind of come at us all day long. And if you can leave the listeners with one last tip on how to do that and stay focused. Well, I think one of the greatest gifts we have right now is having the science and the research around mindfulness and meditation and knowing that we have 50,000 of our own thoughts a day plus God knows how many you know messages coming at us from every one of the you know external uh, social media television radio etc <clears throat> when we're mindful of our thoughts we can direct them when we're mindful of our emotions we can change them when we're mindful of our behaviors, we can decide whether they're constructive or destructive, inspiring or expiring, and using choice and awareness, we can then change what we're doing on an hour-by-hour basis. And so one of the things I always share with all of my clients and students is set a bell on your phone or on your computer, go off once an hour, and take a minute to do some breathing exercises, just where you can calm your brain and then do an awareness one minute or two minute what I call inner size and check in with your thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors and ask yourself this question. Are you moving in the direction of your goals and dreams? If you are, keep doing what you're doing. If you're not, shift. Right. 
Excellent. John, I thank you so, so much for sharing your time with me uh, this evening and our and with our audience. And we'll be sure to share uh, the book and um, and your podcast will be up next week for us. Thank you so much. What a joy. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to our sponsors and contributors for helping me bring you the real story behind their title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.